You can go to Acts. I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Acts. The book of Acts. Um... Interesting. I'm going to point it out a little bit further here in just a second, but you're turning to the book of Acts. Um, anybody else's? Any, does anyone's Bible say anything other than Acts for the title? What is it? The Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles. So what's the big deal? It's a big deal. Yeah. It's a good place to start. It's a good place to kind of gather your thoughts a little bit. Uh, I'm going to start a series. I didn't think it was going to be a series. It's going to be a series. Um, I found out it was going to be a series this morning. Just <laughs> <laughs> fine. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I sat there with a few things and a, and a few thoughts. And I said, okay, all right. Yeah, this is not, this is, this is more. Um, than we could ever fit into even an hour, and so we're gonna we're gonna dive into the book of Acts in a overview way, and maybe that kind of gets it out of my system a little bit. I've really been uh, the Lord just kind of been on me on the book of Acts, and so um, you know I I, I I meant what I said there in in Sunday school in that you know I I. I I know to some degree my, kind of my strengths and weaknesses a little bit. And look, I, you don't want to go through the Christian life always leaning on your strengths. Okay, You don't want to do that. That's not the way the Lord will work with you. As a matter of fact, He's going to often put you in positions where you're very weak. And when you're weak, He's strong. Okay, But that said, um, when you're terrible at something and the Lord keep showing you that you're not good at this, don't keep square peg, round hole, you know, this is just how God wants to, you know, use me. It's like, <laughs> probably wants to usually, this is just my experience, probably wants to call you to something that, you're, that you never would have thought and use you in a way that you never would have thought, but then he'll help you get a little bit better at it. Amen. You won't be terrible forever at it. Okay. I say that because you know we're talking about teaching and 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 uh, you know Brother Millar. You you would have a much better time if Brother Millar took you through the Book of Acts, verse by verse, than if I did. You would just have a much better time because you'd you'd get more. You'd get the you'd actually get the book. You, by the time we got through the end of it, you'd be like, you just preached at us the whole entire time. You didn't teach us anything. You just preached at us. Um, but what I do want to do, what I do think I, I, I am able to do, uh, is kind of give you an overview and kind of give you some highlights. And so we're going to preach through the book that way, really focusing on the church, okay? This is called Growing Pains. Growing Pain. Anybody ever watch that show? I love that guy now. What's his name? Cameron. Kirk Cameron, man. Pretty outspoken Christian. You know what I mean? Not a pretty bold, like... Not for every single thing that he does and all this stuff, but he, he's, he's doing what he can with, with the platform that he has, and that's a blessing to me. I appreciate that. That's, that I take some guts. Take some guts to get all over social media where everybody's just a, where it's just filth. 
you know, and get in there and say, you know what? No, we're, we're drawing the line here. We're not going along with that narrative. We're not going along with that garbage. This is the truth. I appreciate that. But if you didn't know him from before, if you're not around my age, you never saw Growing Pains. as the dorkiest show ever. Just, I mean, 80s, not late, you know, late 80s, 90s, just, just as silly and cheesy as it gets. Okay? This has nothing to do with that, other than the title. <laughs> so, so Growing Pains, we, we do understand that though, right? We understand that no pain, no gain. Where there's growth, ugh, it hurts. It's difficult, it's challenging, it's hard. Now, I've been on it a little bit, kind of from the beginning of the year almost, okay? Talking about what I think the Lord uh, and what I see the Lord kind of doing in this church. I see some of the things He's even kind of stirring around a little bit. Even today, amen, you know, kind of going... I believe this, and I'm getting a touch ahead of myself. I believe, I believe, I believe this church is standing at an interesting place right now. I think you're standing right there where the children of Israel were, looking into the one eye into the land of Canaan. So I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, the Lord, you just got a message preached to you uh, on, on how the Lord took Israel and they were, they were in bondage in Egypt, and he delivered them out, and he did that work for them. Remember that? Right? He said, stand still, see the salvation of God. And that's salvation. You don't work for it, you don't earn it, you just stand still, and God does that work for you. And then the very next thing, and Brother Pilkington preached on this, was now you've got some battles to fight, right? Now you're going to choose whether or not to fight against this flesh and get in the battle yourself, and people are going to die, Right? And we have a bunch of responsibilities. Remember that message? Yep. Right? Okay. From there, about a year later, about a year later is all, the Lord, and I say a year later, if you, if you grab your Bible and notice the chunk of scriptures that takes place between Acts chapter 17 and Numbers chapter 13, which is where I'm talking about, it's a lot of scripture, and you wouldn't think it was just a year that passed. A lot of times the Bible's hard, uh, difficult that way. It's good to, it's good to note, note those years uh, in, your, in, your, in the center column of your Bible if you have them, so that you can get some context of how much time has passed. Because sometimes you'll flip a page, and it'll be a hundred years. And other times it'll be 300 pages and one year. Okay, So the Bible isn't chronological and, and uh, you know just unfolding at a, at a uh, regular interval, you know, with each turn of the page. I hope that makes sense. Right. I don't know a better way to say that, but it doesn't work that way. So, so a year passes by from Moses standing up there and, and, and them holding up his hands, you know, Joshua and Aaron holding up his hands there and, and uh, them winning that battle and, and beginning to understand, okay, I'm going to have to fight in this thing. Okay, my family's on the line. My sons and my daughters are on the line here, right? We're in this fight together. He leads them up, and he's, he's been telling them the whole time, i got a place prepared for you. I've got a land prepared for you if you want it, and I will give you the victory. But you'll have to fight. And they understood very clearly they are going to have to fight. And you remember the story? Yep. And they sent out the spies, Right? And ten were bad and two were good. Right? 
And Joshua and Caleb go over there, and they see something different than everybody, than all the other ten saw. Right? And what you say, what do you mean they see something different? Well, everybody looked at the same thing. But they saw something different. They got in there, and they saw that these guys are carrying clusters of grapes between, a, to, between two staves, you know, between a, on a stick. <laughs> That's the size of the fruit in this land. Here's what, here's what you could have, Christian. But the guys carrying them, you got to kill them. <laughs> They're giants. There were giants in the land. And they saw that, and it was, it was well established, and they knew the first foot forward here, we're going to have to fight. It's going to be a fight. Now, now who, who decided whether we're going forward or not? Moses or the children of Israel? Thank you. Thank you. So I want the church to grow. Okay, it's not just a matter of praying for the pastor. So I want to go forward in the Christian life. All right, it's not just a matter of, you know, whether or not I preach the right message this Sunday or next Sunday or any other Sunday for that matter. Amen. The growth of this church is not dependent on me. Now, it's also not dependent on you, and I want to show you that. But it is, in a, it is in the respect of you get to decide when you stand at Canaan's land whether I'm going forward. Okay? You aren't given the alternative. God doesn't say, whichever you'd like to do, He just says, here's, it, here, here's what you could have. You're going to have to go forward and you're going to fight for it tooth and nail every step of the way. I might also say this. It also, later on, it comes along with a warning that once you get in there, if you get to a place where you stop fighting, guess what happens for you? You die. You die. You give way to the gods of the land. You give way to your flesh. You give way to the complacency of life. You give way to the, you know, to, to just, you know, things kind of creeping in. Hello? That's just free because maybe that's where you're at in your Christian life. But nevertheless, you're at a place where you're going to have to decide, do I want to fight? Do I want to fight? Okay. What did they decide? Don't want to. Not, not going to. We'll, we'll lose for sure. God told us we'll win. He's wrong. That's, that's, I mean, that's what we're saying. Is it not? Is it not exactly what we're saying? God said we'd win. We won't. He's wrong. We'll definitely lose. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him, is it? Right? Is that, is that not it? Okay. So when we get into this fight, we get into this battle, it's a battle of faith. It's a, there, there's... It's going to be faith involved. Won't look like you're going to win. Won't look like you have a chance. What the, guy, what, the, what the other ten spies were seeing was not unreasonable. Matter of fact, that's exactly what it was. It was reason that they were using. It was intellect. It was knowledge. It was, they got a hundred, we got ten. That kind of thing, right? They're, they're twelve feet tall, we're five foot seven, you know? <laughs> that, those, that was the reason. And the Lord says, I just, I don't even want to talk to you about any of this. Are you going to believe me or not? I've got you this far. A year ago, I parted the sea. Remember that day? Because remember, remember when you were all standing at the ocean and I opened up the ocean and you walked on dry ground? Remember that time? 
yeah, but I mean this. <laughs> you see how we are? Do you see how we are? We forget real quick, and we get scared real fast, and we're naturally predisposed to doubt him. I'm just going to say it, and you're lazy, and you're carnal, and you're interested in your own things, and you want to do what you want to do, and the Lord, I can't, I can't make the decision for you. Amen. I'm not going to take you back over to that thing. Moses didn't have a whole lot to say that day. Not a whole lot. He just kind of left it and watched the people make up their mind. And so then what they got to do, instead of going in and fighting and winning and winning the battle and taking the land, is they got to walk around in a patch of desert that should have took three days to cross for 40 years. That's what they got to do instead. They didn't know that that was the, the decision. And a lot of times you just don't realize the cost of the decisions that you make in this life. Amen. You get to go see it afterwards, right? We get to look at it. Now, you better take note of that because he's giving you the benefit of looking at your life. It's not their life. This is yours. Do you understand? Those things were written for our admonition. They were written for our learning. That's what those things were written for. So I'm supposed to look at their life, see myself, recognize that's me, recognize I'll be faced with the same exact decision, and I decide whether I'm going to fight or whether I want to just walk around on this dust bowl, this ball of dirt, for 40, 60, 80, 100 years, not getting anywhere, not doing anything. 40 years! They got to walk around in circles. Go look on the map how big, a, how big a patch of dirt it is. They didn't walk in a straight line for 40 years. You could circumnavigate the globe, how, how, I don't know how many times in 40 years. Hello? No, they just got to walk around not even ever knowing where they're at. Right? Always coming to this place of, how did I get here again? That looks familiar. Why am I here again? Why am I learning this lesson again? Why am I going through this thing again? Why am I at this spot again? I, 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 I just saw that sign. I just went through this. This is fun. This is a great view. Right? Let's get to see the same thing over and over and over and over. You pick. You pick because that's the other way. Do you understand me? All right? So when we begin to look at church growth... In the book of Acts, we're going to see some things, and there's some hard things to look at. But the church explodes in the book of Acts. It's, 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 it's extraordinary, <laughs> right? It's big, and it's awesome. And we look at it, and we say, I, I would love to have seen that. I would, that'd be awesome to be around. Okay. It's over there. Shall we go for it? You want to go over there? Right? Pick up a sword. Because it's a fight. You fight your flesh. And the devil's not going to take it laying down. He's going to fight your tooth and nail. Amen. Your family ain't going to be for it. Amen. So what's on the other side? All the rich blessings of God. 
all the richest blessings of God are on the other side. That they're over there. Out here is just barrenness. In the desert, just dearth. The heat of the day. Beat the fire out of you. He'll feed you with manna from heaven because he's good and he's merciful. Right? You'll get to eat angels' food and sit there and murmur and complain about it and be ungrateful for it and wish you had something else and wish it was different and you'll cry for water and he'll give it to you and then you'll cry again And you'll frustrate the pastor to no end. And he'll lose his rewards because of his frustration. Are you listening to me? Have you read your Bible? Are you familiar with it at all? Do you understand what happened back there? Do you understand why Moses didn't go into the land? Even when they got to later on? That's a whole other story. Who do you think you are, Moses? No, I just, I just see things in the Bible. I see things in the Word of God that I think we need to take heed to. Do you understand me? So it's a lot of, lot of groundwork laid there, okay? Because we're starting a series. So I, I spent a few minutes there. Let's pray. Can we pray? Yeah. Father, we love you. I love this church. I'm so thankful for these saints here. I'm thankful for the ones that aren't here today that will listen later on. I'm thankful, Lord, for uh, the work you've given us to do. And Lord... Um, these, these, these Christians are such an encouragement to me. They really are, Father. And I pray that I could be the same for them and, and, and to them and in their lives. But Lord, without you, we can do nothing. And um, Father, I pray that you'd help us to, to see. To see with the eye of faith. And to trust you. What's over there. And to fight. And to fight for everything for, that we're worth. And to fight for everything that you're worth. And Father, to, to avail ourselves of the grace that is available to us. And I pray, Father, that Lord, you'd please have your hand on these messages and these things. Uh, communicate them in a way that would be pleasing to you, Father. And I just pray and I ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believing. Amen. Now, I've already said a lot. That could be the message. Yeah. That could be the message. The message could be here today. Do you want to go into the land? Do you want, do you, I mean, what do you want to do? Because I can't make the decision for you. And if, if Moses would have said, no, we're going, we're going. You know what would happen? They'd have flat-footed failed. Because the, the, the decision was on the people. And as a matter of fact, if you remember, a couple of them decided after they made the decision, no, we'd change our mind. We'd actually like to go. Right? And they went and they got, they got the fire beat out of them. And they got, amen. Go read it. Now. All right. Um, okay. Now the book of Acts. The book of Acts. The book of Acts is, is probably the most challenging book in the New Testament. It's one of the more challenging books in the, in the Bible. And you say, what do you mean challenging? I mean challenging to properly understand and put in its proper place. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay? Some, some books and some passages and some places, real easy to divide. Others, not as much. Okay? 
So what we call, we say, you know, if a guy's going to break his neck, he'll break it, spiritually speaking, scripturally speaking, he'll break his neck in Matthew, Acts, or Hebrews. Those are all transitional books. Matthew, first book of the New Testament, is it not? I understand you have the other Gospels. You could make the case that they kind of all fall in there to a degree. Matthew's unique, though. It's presenting the king to his people. Right? That's not a Gentile book. That's a Jewish book. That's a Jewish king. Bring, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Right? So you go over to Matthew chapter 24 and begin to build salvation doctrine, and you'll lose your salvation by the end of the chapter. You misapplied the book to yourself. You took something that wasn't to you... And you made it to you and for you. It's not to you and it's not for you. You can, you can gain uh, a, a great deal of devotional thought and even, and even some doctrinal thought where it lines up with Pauline doctrine and benefit from the book of Matthew. Preach it all the time. We're in there all the time. You know, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's great. That applies to you. <laughs> right? He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Not what Paul told me. Paul told me I'm sealed under the day of redemption. Amen. So, well, but yeah, but Jesus trumps Paul. No, Paul's the apostle to the Gentiles. So where do you find that out? Book of Acts. Book of Acts. Things change in the book of Acts. Things change from a Jewish uh, Old Testament salvation under the law to uh, by the end. Paul's just about to write in the book of Romans. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone that believe it. Christ is over here with the, with the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler is telling him, I, I've, I've kept all the commandments from my, from my youth up. I've, I've kept everything, you know. What, what, what more need I to do? Because he'd asked him, how do I get to heaven? Christ told him, keep the commandments. What if you keep the commandments? Would you make it to heaven? You know, isn't that a very interesting thing? He couldn't say to him, believe on the death, burial, and resurrection of me. Because he was standing there living and breathing. Do you understand? Sometimes we break it up like, it, like it's just like there was a light switch that was flipped. It doesn't work that way. It didn't work that way. There was a time period of transition that was going on where God was revealing, okay, here's what's next. And here's what I want you to begin to, to show them. Doctrinally, it happened the very moment he said, it is finished. Right? And he turns to that thief and he says, Today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Why? Because he was just about to, to make a way that that guy could get in. Day before, that guy ain't getting in. That guy, if that guy's crucifixion is the day before, some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you don't. Okay? But, but if, 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 if that thief who died on the cross next to Christ, if his execution day is the day before, he didn't go to paradise. He goes to hell forever. There's no sacrifice. He, there was no time to make up for what he had done. He was just going to pay for his sins physically and then pay for them forever spiritually. Do you understand? It's, it's transitional. It's transitional. And so when he rises from the dead, he comes to his disciples. He says, hey, guys, hang out in Jerusalem. Got a big thing coming up. Holy Ghost. You ever heard of him? Holy Ghost coming to town. You got you to take me tongue-in-cheek a little bit, okay? Holy Ghost is coming down. He had been telling them about it over there, and John, he says, look, I'm going away, and they were real sad, and just don't understand, can't grasp it, and he says, look, it's way better for you if I go away. 
As a matter, I know you don't believe this, but it'd be way better for you if I would go away now, because if I go away, the Holy Ghost can come. The Holy Spirit of God can come down. Yeah. Amen. So, what happens? Well, he comes down. And it gets wild. <laughs> Amen. So somebody, so some church gets a hold of the thing and says, that ought to be happening in our church. One, one time thing in this case. Real special thing that he was doing. Sending him down for the first time. Do you understand? Filling men up with them for the first time. You say they were filled up in the Old Testament. Not, clearly not like they were. He said, you wait and I'm going to do a special thing. You wait until the Holy Ghost shows up. You just wait and pray. And then He's going to come. And when He comes, the wind's going to blow through this place like you've never seen before in your life. And that's exactly what He does. And you're going to be endued with power from on high, he says. You're going to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and, uh, uh, and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. This thing's going, this thing's going viral. Old, old, old Testament viral. Yeah, make Facebook look like, you know, AOL, you know, or whatever, you know. Remember, remember that sound? You know, we're on the way, we're connected now. You get tapped into God, you'd get connected to something. You'd have your, you'd have your hands on some power, okay? Now, when we talk about the acts of, of the apostles, God was doing a special work, and he was doing a work with the Jew at the beginning. The Jews require a sign. So he began to do a number of things that were, that were associated with signs. We haven't even looked in our Bible yet. <laughs> I'm laying some things out for you. Do you understand? So these sign gifts show up. They're healing people. Peter's walking by people on the street and his shadow is healing them. That been happening any time lately? Do you know any preachers who, who are doing anything like that? Right? If these guys that claim to have the healing gifts and whatnot, how come they're not down at the hospital this morning? Amen. Clearing wings at a time out. Why, why isn't that going on? Because they're liars. They're lying to you for money. Why? Because Paul says later on, a little bit later on, he says, are there signs? If there be signs, they shall cease. Yeah. Paul, Paul had been doing a little healing himself. At the end of the book of Acts, he's doing a, quite a bit of healing on an island. Heals up Publius's uh, father-in-law, mother-in-law, father-in-law, father, I don't know, who, somebody. When they hear about that, they're like, man, bring everybody over. He just starts healing them all. Paul, Paul the apostle. Paul the apostle. Later on, he's sick. He says, man, send Luke. I need a doctor. Something changed. Do you understand? I don't, I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm just... It's frustrating at times because Christians get all kind of hang up, hung up because they listen to liars all week long. I like this guy. I like the way he preaches. That's wonderful. It's great. It'd be absolutely astounding, except for the fact that he doesn't know his Bible. That's that's the only detriment that that preacher has. That's the only downside. The only downside to that guy is that he doesn't know his Bible. Other than that, he's absolutely wonderful. 
I know how that comes across. Do you think you know everything? No, but I've been taught some things by some really intelligent men who really got in here and opened up some things. You know what the Ethiopian eunuch said at one point? He said, you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I accept some man should guide me? Right? So that is how the, the Lord works. He shows it to somebody who's humble enough and interested enough. If you were in Sunday school, surely I'm more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of a man. Right? You come to the book with that attitude rather than, I know enough to do this and to change this and this ought to be this and I, I can, you know, mm, that's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong attitude. God will always show the humble man some things. Far more than the, than the, than the prideful man. Than the man who says, I know this and I know that. The, the man that comes to the book and says, I don't know anything. Would you please show me, Lord? So sure, I'll show you a thing or two. I'll, sh- I'll help you to place these things in their proper place and then you'll understand some things. The Acts of the Apostles. Um... <laughs> It's, it's a transitional book. It begins in chapter 1 and 2 with the, 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 the power falling. Peter preaching at Pentecost. 3,000 get saved that day, right? It's a Jewish message to a bunch of Jews, right? And so somebody makes a big deal about Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Yep, that was a bunch of Jews being, being preached to by a Jew, about a Jew, beginning in the book. Middle of the book, Peter's going to get a little more understanding. Remember last week? Cornelius? Yeah, middle of the book of Acts. Lord says, well, Peter, you know, got a little dream for you. All about what I'm doing now. Not Jewish anymore. Do you understand how hard it was for him to receive that? Can it, would that help you to see where he would have been in Acts chapter 2? I think it would if you'd, if you'd contemplate and think about, well, okay, God's revealing something to him. I'm letting the Gentiles in on this deal, Peter. Don't call anything common that I've called clean, Peter. Do you understand? So Acts chapter 10 and 11, major shift, massive. Bunch of Jews call Peter's judgment into question in chapter 11. And he says, look, 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 hold on a sec. This wasn't my idea. God gave me this dream. Then he showed up and he showed himself mighty in, in giving them the Holy Ghost the same way he gave it to us in, in Acts chapter 1. What was I supposed to do? That's literally the way he's speaking and saying it in Acts chapter 11. What was I supposed to do? How am I supposed to fight against God? If God wants to grow this thing, Who am I to stand in his way? Who am I to call him into question? And that's, that is our first point. It's, it's the only point we'll make here this morning. It is growth. The growth of the church is exclusive. Now, there's going to be a bunch of words that start with EX. And so you're just going to have to bear with me a little bit. When I say exclusive, I don't mean that there's only a certain group of people that can, can get in. That would go directly against what I just told you. Right? Right? But it's exclusive in a few special things, and I want to I point those things out to you, in, 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 you know, as we kind of do whatever we're doing. I don't know. <laughs> as we preach through this thing, okay? But before we do that, let me just show you the end of the book of Acts, because I want to show you where it gets to. Look at, uh, look at uh, Acts chapter 28. 
you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to just belabor the point the whole time by continually saying the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the, okay, we're still going to call it the book of the Acts, the book of Acts, okay, but, but it's worth pointing out to you that it's the Acts of the Apostles that we are reading about, right? Okay. Um, they're first called Christians in this book, all right? That's the first time that word shows up is in the book of Acts, okay? They weren't Christians in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not in, the, not in word, maybe in spirit after, at the very end of the Gospels, right? Where they're believing on them after the resurrection, but okay. So, so, so you start there in the book of Acts with this very Jewish-themed, Jewish flavor, Jewish message from a Jew to Jews about Jews that would have connected to Jewish minds that would have called them to a thing that they had not ever, they, w- they wouldn't have ever received before. What? Baptism. It's not part of a, that's not part of Judaism. You understand? So that's a very outward act of repentance to them. Repent and believe and be baptized. They had to, they're forsaking everything at that point. They did have to obey that message. Right? What's yours? Paul says, I came down here, I'm not really sure. You know, I baptized uh, Crispus and Gaius. Whether I baptized anybody else, I'm not really sure. Do you understand? If the message was to go preach Acts 2.38, repent and believe and be baptized, why is Paul going, well, I only baptized two of you, and I don't even know whether I baptized anybody else. He says, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Somebody says you have to be baptized. The thief on the cross wasn't. Do you understand? Jewish theme, Jewish book, Jewish Jewish message. That day for those people, they obeyed it. You say, well, then why do we baptize? Well, because it's a picture of something, and I don't even want to side you know sidetrack and get all messed up there. I believe baptism's right. I believe it's a good thing. It's not a means of salvation for you, not for the church age. By the end of the thing, by the end of the book of Acts, what you come to is this. Paul, and look, yeah, I, I hope you're semi-familiar with it, but just if you're not, God, God knocks Paul off his high horse. He was a Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Okay, He, killed, he, he stands there and consents to the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. He's hailing men and women and beating them and killing them uh, all over the place in Acts chapter 8. Okay, right, and he, then he gets knocked off his high horse. That's where that saying came from. Paul's on his horse. He gets knocked down. He says, <laughs> right? Who art thou, Lord? What wilt thou have me to do? What do you want me to do? Well, this is why I'm doing something totally different. I actually have a very particular calling and a very particular plan for you. And you this will help you in your Christian life. Paul kind of struggles grasping it. You ever kind of try to like not really get what the, like what do you want me to do, Lord? Maybe it's this, you know. Maybe it's and you start to 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 to, to follow a course that you've kind of charted. Paul does just exactly that. Paul says, "Great, all right, I get it. You want me to be a preacher? I know who I could go preach to. I could go preach to the Jews because that's 
I, I know them, and I know their religion, and that makes the most sense to me, the most logical sense, and I have a zeal of them, and I, I would actually go to hell forever for them if they could be saved. That's how much I care about them. That ever kind of call your zeal or care <laughs> into question? It does mine, right? And so, and so that's surely what you want me to do, is you want me to go preach to those people. Lord says, that's not even, no, that's not what I want you to do at all. But God's very gracious with us, Amen. and He gives us space to learn. And so from the book of, from the book of, uh, from chapter like 8, 9, as Paul begins to kind of wrap his head around this whole thing of serving the Lord, you follow him on this course where he is trying to get to Jerusalem to preach to Jews. Do you understand? Said all that on purpose. I, I know it seems like I'm off course here this morning. I'm not. I'm, I'm right. I'm right where I'm, I'm laying out some linear thoughts. If you can stay with me, okay? Look what look look at um, oh bu, 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 bu. yeah. Look at like verse nineteen. <laughs> with me, twenty-eight, nineteen. Yes. All right. Let's read a little bit. Uh, but when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had aught to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came and showed and spake any harm of thee, but we desire to hear thee what thou thinkest, as, uh, for as concerning this sect... We know that everywhere it is spoken against. What's going on? He's finally to these Jews that he wanted to get to and bring this message to. He'd been running into Jews all the time, but he says, I, got, I want to get over here to Jerusalem. I want to get over here to Jerusalem. He's with them. They said, well, we hadn't heard anything about you necessarily, but that, that sect that you're talking about, these Christians, they're, spoken, they're evil spoken against. But we'll hear you out. Okay. We'll hear you out. Verse 23. And when they had appointed him a day, they came, there, there came uh, many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. There's only one guy in here who's like, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that from morning till evening. I'm just trying to have a Pauline ministry. You know what I mean? Just have a Pauline time of preaching. He preaches over there, back over there. At one point, guy falls out of the rafters asleep because he just wouldn't shut up, you know? Just preaches right on into the evening, past dinner, right on into the you know, early hours of the night, right on into the late hours of the night, and finally a guy just says, I can't take it anymore, and he dies. He falls out of the rafters, and he's dead. <laughs> That's a Pauline message, you know, just killing them. You're killing it. I have a message on that, actually. You're killing it. He did raise them up from the dead, if you're not familiar with that. You just, you know, sorry. 
<laughs> I'm very sorry I just killed you in that message. Thank God I have the power to raise you up. It's all free. <laughs> Morning till evening. Look at this in verse 24. And some believe the things that were spoken, and some believe not. I don't know what he thought was going to happen, you know what I mean? Because, it, because the next verses would indicate that he thought every single person at that church service was, he thought it was going to be like Pentecost. That's what I think. I think he had heard about that, and I think he thought that it was going to be about just like Peter preaching at Pentecost, and, the, and, the, and it was just going to fall down, and everybody was just going to go, we crucified the Messiah. We get it. We see it now. But it... What, however it, however it, he thought it was going to go in his mind, it didn't. Look, some believed. What if someone believed this morning who had never believed? It'd be awesome. When one believes, we're like, glory to God, right? But that's because we're Ruth. Digging through handfuls of purpose. Digging through the field that's already been harvested, going, I got one! <laughs> Put it in the basket, you know what I mean? Like, you know? And there's one basket that we're all like, there's one in there. I got one in there. I found one. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's what you're supposed to be doing. But, but some believed, right? But also, some believed not. I got a thing going on with my knee here. It's called getting old and playing pickleball when I shouldn't be. Every time I come up that step, it hurts. Some believe, some believe not. Verse 25. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost. I'm not reading that right. Let me, let me back up. <laughs> and when they had agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. He said, hold on a second, P.S. Let me give you a little P.S. here because it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. So i got one more thing to say. Go ahead, Paul. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah unto you, uh, uh, the, by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. But some did, Paul. Yeah, yeah, but not all of them. And seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted. And what? And I should heal them. Be it known, therefore, unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when, they had, when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves, and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, confidence, no man forbidding him. That's the way the book ends. He gets to the people who he was trying to get to, and a, and a, and a couple of things kind of take place. It's kind of like God's showing Paul, it's not going to go the way I want, that you wanted it to go, right? And he, so he's beginning to get to the place where he's going to start to embrace what God has for him. So I thought we were talking about church growth. We are talking about church growth. One of the very first steps to the church growing is that you begin to embrace what God has for you. 
not what you want for you. Do you understand? So I got away, I'm charting this course and I'm doing this. Okay, fine. God may give you some space and let you kind of do that. But you have to, you've got to take and say, okay, Lord, what will you have me to do and mean it? And follow it and suffer it and put up with it and go through it and let him show it to you kind of several times. If you know anything about Paul's way, like he kind of had a bumpy road (laughs) getting here. Do you understand? He sat in jail for two years before he got to speak to these guys by trying to get to them. So that was the will of God. Mm, Permissive will, I would say. I would say it's the permissive will, not the perfect will. What's the perfect will of God for Paul? For Paul, it was that he'd be the apostle to the Gentiles and he'd go to the Gentiles and preach to the Gentiles. He knew it. But he couldn't, he just, in his human, in the human side of him, he just couldn't do it wholly, completely, until he had kind of exhausted his, a little bit of his will. Do you understand that the Lord will work that way in your life and he will exhaust you of your will and your way and what you determine to do? And he will be gracious with you? But it's going to be bumpy. It's, you're going to bounce all the way along with him, right? You ever see that kid who's going with his parent who doesn't want to go? right? And their feet are kind of hitting the ground every fourth or fifth step, right? That's how you are until you just say, okay, Lord, have it your way. Then we get to walk together. That's a wonderful blessing when that happens. Now you can grow. The church can't grow until you grow. Church growth is exclusive, Okay, let's close with that, with those thoughts, all right? Let's kind of close with those thoughts here, all right? Church growth is exclusive. It's exclusive to believers. Look at Acts chapter 2 and look at verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It's exclusive to believers. Now, believers, as we know, as we know, believers can be anybody now. Do you understand? Any nation, anybody, any color, whosoever will, let them come and take the water of life freely. Any race, religion, creed, whatever, whoever you are, it's open to anybody. But, it, but church growth is exclusive to believers. Yeah, that is the church as the Lord sees it. See, we can look down and, and, and look. I hope I look in, in this room here this morning, I look, I, and, and, and I hope every single one of you is saved and is a believer and you're in the church. Okay? But if you are not saved here this morning, you are not in the church. And so when I talk about church growth, I'm not talking about you because the church growth is exclusive to those that are in the church and only believers are in the church. Not members of Open Door Baptist Church. You can be a member of Open Door Baptist Church and go to hell like a bullet. You can't be a member of his body and go to hell like anything. You won't go to hell if you're a member of his body. And that, 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 mean, that would mean that you're a believer. Now I would hope that all the members of our church are believers. But could somebody slip on through? Well, of course they could. I can't look in a man's eyes and, and know whether or not you're saved. I can only go by what you tell me. If there was a time when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have believed. If that's not happened yet, you're not a believer. Really simple. Okay? Now, you're going to have to give me a little grace because I laid out some doctrinal things and how the book of Acts is laid out, and now I'm going to go back and I'm going to 
I'm going to ask you for some liberty in some of these passages. And you're going to say, well, I thought it was... Yeah, okay. Don't get to be such a Bible believer and, and so, you know, um, proud. That would be the word. Proud. <laughs> proud would be a good word. So proud and so dogmatic that you can't see that the Lord can use the book in any way that He pleases. But that it is very important that you understand where things align doctrinally so that you don't get going on some heresy. Right? But you can still grab some things for yourself by looking at things that, he, that happened in the early church. Acts chapter 2. These are the, this is the group at Pentecost. Look at verse 41. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, you know, go like, you know, way off the rails long here. I'm going to wrap this, this thing up on this, the, the church growth is exclusive. Look at chapter uh, 2, look at verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were what? Baptized. It is the group that I was just telling you about that Peter preached to. That this is where he preached it. Acts chapter 2, 38 is the verse that is misapplied in so many, in so many ways all over the place in this age. Okay? But in verse 41, it says, they, they gladly received his word, uh, were baptized. Could, could I, would you give me the liberty to say that those are Christians? They are Christians. You, you, please don't misunderstand me there. But, but would you give me the liberty to make a little bit of an application to you? Have you received the word? I hope you're baptized. I hope you have been. If you're not, don't, don't, you're not going to hell. Okay? It would be a good step of obedience for you. For them, they had to. For you... You might just read yourself into this passage here for a second, okay? Yeah. All right, okay. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' what? Doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things what? Common. Not in common. They had all things common. Verse 45, and, verse 45, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house did eat their meat with, with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Okay. I'm going to bring you out three points that we're going to close here this morning, right in that passage, all right? First of all, church growth is exclusive to believers. There's nobody but believers in the group, right? It's the people that believed and received his word and were baptized. That's who's in this group. Do you understand? What else is it exclusive to? It's exclusive in its product, okay? It's exclusive in its product. The world is continually, incessantly, never-ending, uh, trying to counterfeit what the church had here, right at this, right at this early group. This is, a pretty, this, is a pretty, this is communism. In its absolute, utter perfection. In its, in its, in its beauty. <laughs> You say, what are you, a communist? I'm an American. I'm a capitalist. Yeah, me first, you next. You understand that's what capitalism is, don't you? You understand it's survival of the fittest, right? 
You understand if you have a business like mine, my intention is to kill yours. You, you don't understand that, right? I want you out of business. Amen. I want mine big enough to buy yours and buy you out and squash you. The American way. Some of y'all don't like that. Because you won't look at the other side. You don't have eyes to see. This is the Lord's work. So that's how the church should be. No, we're getting off. We're not, and we're not going to get off right now, okay? Because the, 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 what the Lord showed you right out the gate is this, how wonder, this is how wonderful it can be. It's kind of like when the Lord dealing with the, with the disciples or with those guys on divorce, you know, and they're like, well, what happens whenever we get divorced? And he's like, look, because of the hardness of your heart, I had to make some provisions because, because you're such a mess. You can't do it the way that I want you to do it. But at, from the beginning, it was not so. I didn't make provision for that. That is, there's the Lord's ideals, and then there's, okay, we got to do it this way because I'm dealing with flesh. Do you understand what I'm saying? It can't be this way, but in a, in a perfect world, in an ideal condition, in a wonderful way, we look at that and you say, wow, that actually would be something. And it would actually be very remarkable. And it's done in beauty and in its perfection here. That is, the church, the church growth is exclusive in that you can't get it any other way than when the Lord does it. The Chinese aren't going to bring it in. Sorry, I don't care what you think about that. The Soviets aren't going to bring it in. They'll set it up, and when they set it up, you know what happens when, when man sets up God's plan? Millions upon millions upon millions of people die. Because of God trying, because of man trying to do God's work. When God does God's work, it's exclusive to Him. So that's the first point: is that church growth is exclusive to God. God does it; it's God's work. It's marvelous in our eyes, and you can't reproduce it. But you can stand in awe of it and say, "Okay, all right." This is just what happened when the church started. The church gets going, and they're like, "Well, we should not be like we were." I know I'm, I'm, I'm walking around all kind of taboo subjects here this morning. Do you, know, do you know what Jews are known for? Do you have any idea what they're known for? Like one of the things they're kind of known for? <laughs> Making money. You want to know some of the most cutthroat businessmen in this world? Some of the most successful one? ones? I could just start naming them off. Jewish name after Jewish name. Go, go read about Rothschild and the family a little bit. Mm-mm-mm. You say, what are you saying? This didn't come naturally to them. That's what I'm saying. Do you understand? This didn't, and, and so this was the Lord's work. It's exclusive to Him. The world can try to counterfeit it. The world can try to pre reproduce it, but it's exclusive to the church. Keep your finger right here. We're going to come back here. Look at Ephesians in chapter 4. What the, what the Lord wants you and I to have, the world will not share apart. They will, if it's right, if it's right. Now, that, that, look, look, the devil can get into a church and wreck it to pieces. Self-righteousness and flesh can get into a church and utterly ruin this. Okay? Please don't misunderstand me like I'm preaching that, hey, we're headed to communism, guys. Like, we're going to have a commune around here. 
That's not where we're going. That isn't where we're going. But it would be wonderful to have some elements of the unity that the Lord intends for this church to have. That would be, that would be glorious. And I believe it's here. I really do. But it's, a, it's something that you continually work to maintain. Okay? Ephesians in chapter 4. I'm in Galatians. That won't do it. Ephesians in chapter 4. Just, just a minute or two more here. Stay with me, okay? Ephesians in chapter 4. Notice this. Look at verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body in Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, what did he just say? There's a perfect ideal out ahead. Until then, he gave some pastors, some evangelists, some teachers to kind of keep the thing unified, bound together. Do you know what the world doesn't have the benefit of that? It's complete chaos. And birds of a feather flock together out there. Y'all are weird. You're going, this ain't birds of a feather. Some of you are, are, I would never, we would never. We would have never. We just would have never. Say what? Been friends, talked, had a conversation, rubbed shoulders together. Amen. How's the Lord do that? Through His Spirit. Because, I mean, some of the weirdest people in my life or in my life are in this room. <laughs> and I get talking to them, and I'm like, man, I like this guy. I like this guy. What do I like about him? Their personality? Usually not. I don't like mine. It's okay. Feeling, the feeling's mutual. It's all right. I like Christ in them. Jesus Christ in me likes Jesus Christ in them. Jesus Christ in me that's working in me loves what Jesus Christ in you is working and is doing in you. And there's a unity there that's unique. It's exclusive. The world doesn't have it. Do you understand me? It's supposed to be the thing that marks us. And, and people are supposed to walk in here and go, man, these people like each other. What's going on with this? This is weird. This ain't like at work. This ain't like at school. This ain't like in my family. God forbid, I'm sorry, but it's, like, it's that way a lot of times, is it not? This ain't like this and that and the other thing. They, see, they seem to all actually really like each other. Not putting on, not backstabbing. You say that stuff doesn't happen in the church? No, it does, and when it does, it's the flesh. When it does, it's not the ideal. When, it's, when it does, it's not what it should be. Do you understand? When it does, we mark it and we go, well, that, that shouldn't have happened, but it did because of sin. When God gets in there, it's just sunshine and rainbows, man. <laughs> Amen. And it's wonderful. And it's good. <laughs> She's back. Um, it's a bond of faith. Notice, uh, notice uh, we're closing. We're done. We're done. All right. But look at this. Look at verse 14. That henceforth, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Weren't they, weren't they being bound together by the apostles' doctrine? Yeah, that's what's binding them together here. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, may grow up into him, may grow up into him. Did you get it? May grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body 
fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, make it the increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Sounds just like a corporate business meeting, doesn't it? It's absolutely nothing like that. It, it is absolutely nothing like what the... If you went to a business seminar on how to build a business and you began to talk to them about these things, how long are they going to listen to you? You know, what sense would it make to any of them, right? Christ is working in this, and he's working through pastors and teachers and evangelists, and he's also working through all of you to all be connected to one another to, so that they're all fitly joined together, and you're growing like a body. Well, they can try to have it, but they can't have it because it's exclusive. Church growth is exclusive. It's exclusive. And, that, and, that, and, and we'll close with this thought. It's the Lord adds to the church daily such as should be saved, right? In that, what's the last verse? Somebody help me out. What does it say? What's the phrase that's, that's in there about the Lord? Help me out. You're making the message longer. It's all you're doing. You're where, yeah. We're back in Acts. We're back in Acts. Sorry. The Lord, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Okay? I've, I've preached this before many years ago, a series on this. Except the Lord built the house, they labor in vain. Right? And so we all have to stand back and recognize that it, we're not talking about lacing up our boots tighter, guys. We are talking about doing the work that we're called to do, but we're, we're talking about being interested in the Lord doing His work. We're talking about getting in alignment with the Lord and saying, God, I'd actually like to see you do something around here. In me, in my family, in my church, in my city, in my state, before you come back, don't fall into this place like, oh, the Lord's coming back, so it's just time to hunker down. Where do you see that in the Bible? That isn't Bible. That's not scriptural. You know, let's build a big concrete bunker, you know, with as big a thick of walls as we can have. Let's fill it up with food and let's all hunker down for the tribulation. Show me where that's at in this book. It isn't anywhere. The spirit of that is the spirit of this world. And it's the spirit of Antichrist. And it's the spirit of complacency. It's not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is go forward. We're surrounded. Great, we got them right where we want them. <laughs> With all those thoughts, we're going to begin to look at church growth in the book of Acts. But the first point is that it's exclusive. It's exclusive to believers. It's, ex it's exclusive in what's being produced, what the product is. And it's exclusive to God doing it. Only God does this work. God does that, not men. Right? But, but it's wonderful when, when the people tell God, we're interested in your work. We would like to see you work. Would you please do a work? Father, we love you. Pray that you bless this church, these people, these saints, these Christians. Help them, strengthen them, change them, mold them, make them, teach them. Um, I pray that I pray that they'd I'd pray that they'd make the decision that would put a smile on your face. I don't know what that is for each individual. I really don't. I pray that you would make it clear to them individually in their lives. I pray that you make it clear to them. Maybe there's some real plain decisions that need to be made, like getting rid of a television, like stopping social media, like like cleaning up some things so that they can get more focused on the work, like stop spending time or or, or getting the victory over some sin in their life, if they would personally grow, you could grow this church. 
Lord, I pray that you would help them. I pray that you would have your hand on them. I pray that you would do what you can only do in them. We'll just stand in awe of it. We'll thank you for it. We are interested in it. I'm interested in it. I'm interested in seeing what you just might do in this church, in the families, in the homes, in the lives of the individuals, in this city. If anybody's not saved in here today, Lord, would you save them? Would you save them? On a crazy message like this, Lord, that doesn't, that doesn't even have anything to do with that, would you draw them to yourself and would you save them? You're certainly willing to, I know that. I don't know if they're willing. I pray they would be. Love you, Lord. Pray all these things and ask them all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believing. Amen. All right. I love you. God bless you. Appreciate you.